0: Our world can be an unsettling place, and enough. If you're not careful, we can get sucked up into the things of this world, and sometimes it's unintentional. You know, with the advent many years ago of uh, 24-hour news and uh, news. Uh, places like CNN, and Fox News, if you like, you can, at any point in time, you can tune in to hear or see what is going on in our world. And, and as nice as those things can be, we can be reminded of what's, what might go wrong in the next couple of days to weeks. And you can be left a little unsettled. You know, I think even in my own life, I'm how Much better weather forecasting has gotten. But if we're not careful, we are now just warned of what could be a heating doom that is going to come in a couple days earlier than ever before. You know, I I still marvel every time we get snow, how people run to the grocery store and you can no milk and bread. We can't afford it right now, but maybe that is if you're lucky. You know, and I'm thinking, do you realize that in two or three days we'll be back out? You know, I don't know how many of you all are having French toast on those days. But we're not in our house, you know, um, any more than the rest. But and, and I marvel at that. In fact, one of the beauties of when I lived up in Northwest Michigan is uh, you didn't get worried about the snow coming until they said ten to twelve inches. You know. Every other time, you just assumed you would walk out and you were getting snow. And it was kind of nice. Maybe not the snow part, but no one was freaking out about three inches of snow. It was business as usual, with the caveat. Start earlier, go slow. You know, the, the worst part about that up there was just I didn't have a snow blower um, to shovel out the driveway, especially the big clump of what become ice. At the bottom. so you know. I started to learn that you go a little bit this, go a little bit on the one end of your driveway. You can save yourself a whole lot of trouble there, but it can be unsettling. You hear all that is going on, you see what is going on, or you hear in your own life—not even global or national or local things, but just your own little life—things can be unsettled. And, and the temptation is we may want to resign and just sit and set to. We just want to sit back and we'll forget it. I'm done. I can't handle it any longer. We figure it's not even worth trying it. If, if we're going to get battered by the waves, if we're going to continue to get hit, and, and things seem to be shifting all around us, why even keep moving? Just the problem is, if we stop, the world around us won't become less unsettled. It's still going to happen. It means we're going to change <coughs> ourselves. I read just this morning an, an article, uh, a little bit about uh, this, that talked about a, a hiker who's going to climb one of the great mountains. And their guide told them, leave I mean, only take the essentials, okay? Don't load yourself up. Uh, Kind of get unencumbered or unload what you don't need. And and then one guy said, ah, I I got this. So he loaded himself up. He was going to take pictures on the top of the peak, so he had a camera, and he had lenses. He thought he was going to have a good kind of appetizer and meal, so he had cheese and crackers, and then he he thought, you know, why not? I'm going to have, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to open a bottle of wine and he's going to have a glass of wine on the top. I mean, this was a good plan. And, and, and sooner or later, his pack got too heavy for him. And, and he's on his way up. And the guy says, I mean, the guy's getting slower and slower. I mean, I just would be slower to begin with. You know, he can't get much slower if I'm hanging up a mountain. But the, the guy was trying to say, just leave your pack here. The guy wouldn't do it. So finally, he just kind of gave up. He resigned. I mean, he had his cheese and his wine and his crackers, and he took pictures, but he wasn't at the top. He had settled, and he missed miss something else. It helps many times in our life when life is around us. When things aren't going our way, we just want to sit back down and just wait until it's over, maybe. To see, the book of James is going to tell us inaction or sitting down is not an option. We don't get to just, when life is going haywire, to not do something. We don't get to be passive. And it is oh so tempting. I mean, I I, I just read my news, uh, and and even that sometimes is unnerving. Fortunately, I can just go find a different article about something else. We see what is going on. And in James, as he's getting ready to say, in, in these verses that we are going to look at this morning, verses two through eight, which is really kind of an introduction to the rest of the book, He's saying inaction is not an option. You don't just get to sit down and wait it out. (coughs) In fact, if you look at almost all of Scripture, Scripture is about movements. God's people on the move. When things got tough, God didn't just say, sit here and don't ever move again. He spurs them to action. We think of Uh, Noah the world around him was getting unsettled and what did God tell him to do Build a boat now we didn't know boats but have you ever thought Noah really didn't know exactly what he might have been building scripture says there wasn't rain yet I mean there was water we know that do do they know boats for rain probably not I don't know you know but he had to do something for the portion of things so it is with us. So James says this, and, and some of you remember our late uh, sister in the Lord, Judy, who really did not like these words. Okay, others of you don't know Judy. She was a pianist. Uh, she threatened me never to preach James. I'm only halfway jumping there, uh, you know. But but James says this. He says, consider it pure joy. Oh boy. Oh boy, right? I I had this message. I don't want to, or as my kids would just say, no, or I don't want to. I just didn't know how to put that in words that you would understand. Consider in pure joy, or in all joy, consider my brothers when trials of many kind come. No one said amen to that, right? I don't want to consider it all joy when that happens. But see, the action we must do is we must choose joy. Joy is not for James, nor for us, a feeling of I like what is coming my way. The writer of Hebrews says, for joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Now, Cain, do you think having uh, your wrist right about, you know, if you figure out where your bones are, right there, uh, where a beginner, do you think it would be fun if, if uh, Obi kind of took a railroad spike to that this afternoon? No? Probably not. You might find it, I hope you don't find it fun. But anyway, <laughs> you know. Maybe. You know, maybe, you know. That, you know. The writer of Hebrews isn't saying Jesus was like, oh, goody for me. I've been waiting for this. Well, he had been waiting for this. But joy was the attitude, the choice he made going, I know what is going on, and it's not fun, but I can endure it because of what's coming on the back end. Joy isn't a feeling, and it's not just a thought. It's an intentional attitude that says something different may happen because of this. And one of the other things I was listening to this week, there was a story about a man and a horse. One day, this farmer, he wakes up, and his horse is gone. His only horse. His neighbors did what most of us would do. Oh, that's such a terrible thing. His response was, maybe so. And he just kind of went about by. The next day, the horse comes back and brings seven wild horses with him. This neighbor goes, wow, what a wonderful thing. He goes, maybe so. See, we're starting to get this attitude. This farmer is realizing that whatever happens, it might be good, it may not be good. As the story goes on, his only son tried to ride one of those seven horses. The horse bucked him off. He ended up disabled. The neighbor's so sorry. That must be devastating. He said, maybe so. Then the country went to war. And every young man had be trapped, him, but because his son was disabled, he couldn't go to war. And now his neighbors go, wow, isn't that a wonderful thing? You don't have to worry about it. he says, maybe so. Many times, though, in life, you and I don't take the maybe-so route of things. We're so focused on what is going on in the moment that we lose sight of the bigger picture. And James is saying, when you face trials of many kinds, consider it joy, because the trials are not the end. I wonder what the Hebrews could say. Jesus endured the cross with joy. He knew it wasn't the end. It was a stepping stone to something else. Joy is keeping an eye to the future while being in the present. That's why you can be uh, weeping and mournful while still expecting joy. That's why we, we, we don't have to act like something doesn't hurt. But joy is the attitude in the myth. This is why Paul says not to he doesn't say do not grieve but he says but grieve with hope. We still have to grieve. The thing is is We don't want to. Why? Because it means we've got to look outside ourselves. I like looking inside at times. I like sometimes to have my own pity party. And I want anybody else to come with me in my pity party. But that's not always joy. That's why Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord will be your strength. When we understand who God is, is, I can have joy. Not because I like what is going on. Nor do I have to. An authentic faith is a faith of joy. It's a faith of looking forward. Because we know hard times will come. You see, you hear what he said here? Consider all joy, my brothers, when you face many trials. Not if you face many trials. But when He also doesn't say, go find the trial. Okay? This isn't a, a, our faith isn't one, let me go see what kind of trouble I can find so I experience joy. It's going to happen. Now, what kind of trials or part times is he talking about? You can create a list. Physical, as we have people on our list. Physical issues. Maybe car troubles. I know my fair share of those. I mean, I joked once that I was an employee of the month. I gave him so much work, I figured I had to be up there. So far. You know? And I still have a check engine, like, that likes to come on and off. And I'm kind of going well? Maybe? Maybe Definitely. not? Definitely. You know, if you cover it, it doesn't exist, right? You know? But that's not what he's talking about either. It can't be Persecution because of your faith, not because you do something not wise, or any of those things. Why? Because we know if we persevere, if we have an authentic faith, we will have perseverance. It's not always how we start the past. Are we faithful to the end? Jesus tells a story about this. It's known as the parable or the story of soils where there are many seeds that are thrown. Some of the seeds, they sprout up real quickly, but the trials of life choke it out. And there are others that seed flourishes. See, I believe, if we want to see the book of James and see how how high of a view of Jesus he's at, we we must start to read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John alongside this book, and we will see James is saturated with the words of Jesus. I believe, maybe even in these first couple of verses here, that James is intentionally remembering the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Not because what they're doing is good, but because they will be comforted. Or the others there in in Matthew chapter 5, where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted. How many of you have persecution on the top of your list this morning as things to get done today Economy. Okay, good. My hand is just up as an example. I'm not my head up. We don't look at those things and go, that's what I want today. But Jesus says, if you want to be, you've got to see that you can be blessed in spite of circumstances because of what comes on the back end, which is perseverance. Because authentic faith will create it, and, and perseverance creates authentic faith. Another example from nature, a butterfly, caterpillar. Anybody like butterflies and caterpillars? No, Maybe not the caterpillars, butterflies are good. Butterflies were were part of our wedding, not five months, but uh, they were part of our centerpieces. We still have a few of those uh, next door. Have you ever seen a butterfly tray come out of the cocoon? I haven't really, but I know this much. You let it do it on its own. You release it, you break the cocoon for it, it ceases to thrive and live. This is what James is talking about. If life is always easy, your faith will not be tested. And if we make life always easy, the question I think the New Testament writers will say is, do you have faith? James is trying to get to the point, yeah, you will have troubles. But let it work its course. Peter says this. I mean, we give James a hard time a lot of times for those of us who know the Bible because of these verses. But really, maybe we should take up an issue with uh, 1 Peter. You know, and Peter, because, I mean, uh, if we're honest, he says some things here that we we really uh, don't want to like. He talks about, oh, where is it? <clears throat> are momentary and light afflictions. Anybody ever thought of their afflictions as momentary and light? I haven't. You know, if someone wants to uh, uh, Google where that is, let me you know real quick. That'd be great. Oh, here it is. Um, maybe. Well, maybe not. You know, I thought I found it. Didn't find it. You know, but the idea of. Uh, Oh, here's what he said. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Hello? I don't like that. You know, uh, that we, in these light momentary uh, sufferings, you know, that's not what we like to hear. You know, so we need to maybe, uh, you know, kind of get back to him. What were we saying? That's Paul, not Peter. Oh, light moment. Well, see, Paul says it too. You, you start to see this stuff. Okay? James is right in line with the others. On this. Right. But here's what we need. We don't want it either. We need true wisdom. He goes on to say, and if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask, for, for our God will give you Wisdom. he gives generously so we will not be lacking of anything but here's the thing with wisdom we gotta see that we need it and wisdom isn't just something that's imparted to you it's an act now in the old testament the jewish way of life was it was seeking it at all costs jesus says in john 14 there is an advocate coming another one who will remind you of all things and teach you all things. Wisdom is submitting to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do that. We don't want to submit to anybody. Once again, how do we have wisdom? We've got to get outside of ourselves. It's not about looking within, it's by looking up and without. Wisdom. But you've got to be willing to say, I do not know it all. I do not know it all, and I'm willing to look. But true wisdom isn't a wisdom of just uh, how things are going to be. True wisdom is seeking God's face and trusting he's going to actually do it. These are the stories of the Old Testament. Solomon, when he was given anything, at that point in time in his life, he had enough understanding to know he didn't know it all. He said, give me wisdom. That's why I pray, Lord, give me the wisdom of Solomon plus A double portion of wisdom, please. I pray that on our, our leaders here. I pray that on our church. We need wisdom to rightfully discern this world. And James will guide us in the path of wisdom. But it starts with you submitting to the Holy Spirit. <coughs> See, he's writing to believers like you and me. He's right there with us. Do you know that you do not know lots of things? Do you get that? Do you know that you do not know lots of things? <coughs> now you can be content with the fact that I don't know. Forget it. I mean, I love to say uh, ignorance is bliss, and I'm okay being blissfully ignorant. Okay. I was talking with Ron, and we've we've sympathized over some stories with pastors and visiting people. I remember one time here, uh, one of you all had a colonoscopy, and I was visiting you after that, and the doctor came in, and it doesn't matter who it was, and and I went to leave, and and the person said, oh, no, no, you can stay, and I was thinking, "Uh uh-uh, I do not need to see or hear whatever's going on on the inside. I gotta go just go right out the hallway, I'll be back when I sit in the back of the room. And I don't need to know at all. But I need wisdom. Because sometimes in wisdom, sometimes the Spirit will say, Jeremy, you don't need to know that. And you can still go We need wisdom. So how do you get it? How do you get wisdom? How do you get joy? How do you get the strength to persevere? You pray you pray. James is going to say, the prayer of a righteous person is effective. Effective. See, prayer is not just presenting up a request. Prayer is boldly going before the throne of grace and saying, I need wisdom to understand even what I need to pray for. Prayer is going, the strength I need and letting him actually give it. You know, I, I love sis. You all know that. I love all my kids. But I really love sis. She kind of has this down pat to some extent. Because the next thing is when we pray, we must expect God to do something. I, I would love to say Eliana prays to me all the time and to Alicia all the time. <laughs> the woman comes down with a request of make me a wrap," I'm hungry. I need a wrap. Well, you know what she does when she tells us that? She expects we're going to do it. You know, And and, and she goes off and does something else, expecting that you soon. it's going to be done. Why? Because she knows our heart that if she's really hungry, we're going to provide for her, right? I mean, we're not going to let her starve, any more than a six-year-old girl can starve. But she'll she'll come up and she says, I need a wrap, please. Sometimes the please, sometimes not. Hey, make me a wrap. If we don't do it quite enough, she's going Hey, where's my wrath? I thought I already told you. I'm like, calm down, girl. But sometimes, when, and James is saying this here, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to you all without going, ah, yeah, you're right, Patty. You don't have wisdom there, uh-huh. Yeah, what's up with you? Don't you know you should know this by now? He's not doing that. But when we understand the heart of God, we go, hey, I need wisdom. You want a prayer that is almost guaranteed, that is guaranteed to be answered? Pray for wisdom. You want a prayer that is guaranteed to be answered? Pray for joy. If you want a prayer that is guaranteed to be answered, pray for patience. You may not like the result, but it will be answered. Why? Because God says, I desire you to have wisdom. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. We pray those things, it will happen. He goes on to say, do not doubt. He's not talking about whether or not uh, on those things, we don't doubt. God will give it. There are other prayers we pray that we do not even go, Lord, give it as your will. But we know God will give, so we expect something to happen. See, this kind of prayers of God giving wisdom doesn't give us the excuse to, to sit down and watch out and try to do something. He's got to get your butt up and start doing something. It's not an inactive part. Prayer is an affront and an assault on the enemy. And maybe we need to pray more. Pray, but expect God to do something. That's why it's hear, if I pray over you individually or even collectively. I say, God, show up and show off and give us eyes to see what you're doing. I, I believe God does show up and show off. Just many times I don't have the wisdom to see what he's doing. But what if this next week, all you did, all your prayers kind of consisted of the fact, God, give me joy. And then you expect the joy to come. What if you pray, God, give me wisdom. And you saw that wisdom. Do you think He would show up? See, we live in an unsettling world? We as the people of God, we have this anchor scripture says. It is scripture, but it is Jesus Christ himself. And we need to pray with expectation. This is what Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. James, I think, has the word of Jesus just saturated within him. Where Jesus said, if you have faith, even in mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go over here, and it move. And was he talking literal? I don't know. Jesus talked in stories a lot. That's why he was a good preacher. Sometimes we preachers we say things that may not be completely 100% literal. You know, but he could do and He said it would happen. What if we prayed for wisdom every day? What if we pray for the fruit of the Spirit every day? And if you really opened, because there's some opened your hands up, had an open heart, I guarantee Christ is going to do something. Because he honors the prayers that are prayed according to his word. Do you think Moses had to doubt whether or not uh, the Red Sea would really part? I and mean, God had told him, Satan see part. Was God going to not do it? Same thing with you and I. We need to pray the prayers of Scripture. We need to pray, as James tells us here Lord, give me wisdom. Because God will give it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We do this because we know He gives us the hint in verse 4. Why do we pray for wisdom? The result will be maturity. Completeness or perfection. Heaven, you can be perfect. He doesn't quite believe it. We think of perfection as made without an fault, and there's a part of that. But what, what what James and some of the writers of the New Testament is saying is perfection, completeness is when you have submitted to Christ and He has His way within you. And in that way, you can be perfect because Christ is perfect, and He is in you. So no, Jemmin isn't all of a sudden going to be the perfect husband. Sorry, Shannon. You know, I know you've been waiting a long time for that. You know, but for joy, know that someday he will get there. Okay, (coughs) not because of his work, because of Jesus. You know, but but one of the day we can. And this is the thing: is sometimes we don't want to be mature, do (laughs) we? not to be mature. Did your dad just look at you? No, he just looked at you. Just how, how immature of it, right? Be the bigger person, or in your case, the smaller person, but, you know. Uh, your dad, everybody looks up to your dad almost. You know, but it's hard. Our world and our world, guess where it's going to go in years to come, if I could resist? It'll get more and more immature. Guess what ought to be? The goal of the church: get more and more mature. Hence, why we are told not to fight with the weapons of this world. Hence, why Jesus didn't fight using the weapons at His disposal. Being made complete, mature, not lacking in anything. Do you believe that can happen? See, He goes on to talk about doubts. This isn't a doubt that says. I'm uncertain about maybe a truth. This is a doubt that says, I'm not going to commit. Yeah, I'm just going to come over here and sit. You know, and if, if, if we got to be committed. Do you believe that if you submit to the Lord, you can grow in your faith? Do you believe the church can grow? Do you believe that you can grow in your ability not speak? You know? Do you believe that that, that that you have the ability to, as James, and we'll talk about it you uh, know, in Alex chapter 2 or chapter 3, where he talks about taming the tongue, that you can think a thought, but you don't have to speak the thought? What a novel idea, right? Well, I mean, if everybody in the world learned to filter and not say half the things we say, what kind of world would we be in? You know who it gets to start with? Us. Me. The church. God's people. Why? If we believe what Scripture says, and, and I believe what Scripture says, we have the Holy Spirit in us, which is the same power that created the universe when God spoke, the Spirit was there. The power of God within us. If I had the power of God within us, I have the power to not Speak when it will not be helpful. I have the power to filter my thoughts. I have the power to do anything Christ says I should do. All i got to do is say, Here you are. But the reality is, as many times, in my life, probably your life, we go, we look at it and we say, I don't want to. You. you know, my kids are old enough. When they tell me I don't want to, guess what? I come back. Neither do I. Sorry about thought. And we go on. I wonder if sometimes, unfortunately, when we tell that, I don't want to said, okay. I do, but I'm not going to, I can't force you. You've got to be a willing partner with him. Here are two verses that lay out what James is talking about. about the letter to the, Philippi, to the Philippians, the Philippians. Be confident of this, that he who began his work in you will carry it out unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who started the work will complete it. But he also goes on to say, therefore, my dear friends, brothers and sisters, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You may say, well, which one's right? Both. You've got to be willing. You've got to be open. We say the words, with open hearts. The thing is, is many of us really want to say, I don't want to. I don't want an open heart, because I might have to change. I don't want an open heart, because I have to relinquish my own self. And when we do that, here's here's what I believe the promise is. We, if we don't want to submit, we are like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. We're at the mercy of life around us. And we're just going to go, whichever way things seem fancy. I don't know about you. But I think I can see I don't know about do, you, but that doesn't a that sound like whiplash. One minute I'm homework here, then I go with the wave here, and back, and forth. I don't like the energy. Fair game. Uh, that's kind of neat. I uh, didn't realize that. Um, but also, they, you know, so we talked about anchors and how an anchor will keep you uh, where you want to be. They were also telling me, though, that back in the old days, at times when a ship would get too close to shore and they wanted to get back out, what they would do was put an anchor in a little uh, boat and, and send some guys in this little boat and they would uh, Kind of, I almost said boat out, that's not a great word, but they would uh, push out, go out farther into the bay or into the lake, and the people in the small boat would then throw the boat over. Or not the boat over, the anchor over. Okay? And what would happen is the anchor would then drag the boat to where it needed to go. Uh, Well, that's a really interesting idea, isn't it? Sometimes we're stuck. At being the anchor, being right here by shore where it's nice and safe—or so we think—what Jesus wants us to do is He's already taking the boat out and He's taking the anchor out. He said, "I'm going to move you over here." But he drops anchor. We got to keep going, and we got to let ourselves be shifted back into Him. It's still an anchor. It's not—we're not being tossed and turned. And I think I remember asking, "Why would they ever do that?" And they said to me, sometimes, the safest place in a storm is actually farther out than closer. Friends, Jesus sometimes wants us farther out. But we've got to we, we only do that, though, when we understand who he is. Jesus told this story, once again. And the Sermon on the Mount, as I come to a close, in chapter 7 of Matthew, he was teaching, of course, and he says these words. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet... It did not fail, because it had its foundation on a rock. But if anyone and everyone who hears these words of mine and do not put them into action, is like a foolish man or woman who builds their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. See, we know that our price is a solid rock on which we stand. All others are sinking sand. We know He's the rock of ages where we can hide ourselves in Him but we can't just sit down. He never asked to sit. He just said there. Put them into practice. So how can you do that this week? The book of James says pray. Pray for wisdom. The book of James says choose joy. The book of James says until the end. For you will be made whole and complete. Will you pray with me this week, Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord, for your word. Lord, we don't always like it. And a lot of times I want to just say, I don't want to. And sometimes you, you take me and you say, I know, I know, but come on, trust me, trust me. And other times you're like, fine, I don't want to be here with you. And then you graciously bring me back when I finally say, okay, okay, let's do it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen my feet to move when you say to move. You would then strengthen my feet to, say, to stand firm when you say stand firm. Lord, that I would have joy this day, regardless of what may happen. Lord, that I would I would persevere in troubled times so I can be made whole, as is your desire. Lord, may I work out my salvation, knowing that you will continue to work it out within me as we do this together. And Lord, may we all be faithful to the end, because you have called us to be like you, faithful until the very end. And because Christ was faithful until the end, that he is the solid rock, He is the rock of ages where we can find our hope, our hiding, and our future. And so, Lord, may that be true this day as we continue in worship through this great pen, and as we worship through living out your word each and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.